telling you, man, there's a big debate. I thought Tony wasn't on the Let show. Let me ask today. you. All right. I thought Tony wasn't on the show. All right. Today. I'll say. I'll say no. <laughs> okay. All right. You're saying caddies should be able to help. No, players. should not. Or you're saying they should not. Caddies should not be able to help golfers read green. What is up, everybody? Welcome back. No putts given. How you living? Where'd Tony go? We, what happened? <clears throat> I don't know. That ball, that ball test did a number on him. That's all I got to say. Feel better. Out. Big things. Got to cover a couple of things. Well, anyway, if you don't know, ladies and gentlemen, this is Adam Beach, owner, founder, chief golf operator. I think that's what you could be the CGO. CGO. The chief golf, CGO. Like that. Chief golf operator of my golf spy joining us today. You're going to learn something guaranteed. Is that fair? Let's get it. Let's get it. All right. We got a shout out here to all the mid ams, Sleepy Hollow, <coughs> Westchester area, New York. Got a shout out to all the mid ams going on this week. If you're kind of a golf person that likes the, uh, maybe not the marquee events throughout a calendar year, although the Ryder Cup is coming up here, but. We got the U.S. Mid-Am going on. I'm going to be watching that. Rory, this last weekend, had a chance. Man, he had a chance to win the Irish Open. And he went full-on watery grave, the River Liffey. I'm sorry to hear that, Rory. That one's going to sting a little bit. Can't win your National Open when you throw uh, a full sleeve of balls in the water. Sorry about that. Minji Lee, Edges, Charlie Hall. I feel like Charlie Hall's coming second in a lot of events this year, and I wish her well because she's got some kick-ass shoes. If you ever seen box toe shoes, you got to check those out. Charlie Hall, big fan. Are those, I think they're pretty sweet. Are those like squares, like the mm. no, no man. This company bought you would like them. You're gonna dig these. They look uh, a lot like the old school. Remember the old school Footjoy Classics? Yeah, the ones with the wooden soles. Yeah, they weighed about six pounds each. I recall those. These are like that, but they're made. If I understand this correctly, same plant that makes like Tacovis uh, cowboy boots okay. and stuff like high end leather. These are like handcrafted leather shoes. I'm, I've, I've come to you with this before and you've laughed at me, but these ones, these ones are good, man. Okay, these ones I'm gonna are good. Your word for it. No, I'm gonna get you a pair. You're gonna love them. Okay. Uh, PJ Tour keeps trucking on. There's a 38 second off season. I guess they're in Napa Valley, the Fortnet. They should just rename it like the. Max Hanma Invitational because he seems to win the damn thing every every year. But they're back on this week. You got the Corn Ferry Tour Finals over the next several weeks. So if you like some of those kind of tournaments, there's plenty to watch other than my Denver Broncos starting off 0-1, looking a lot like they did, did last year. Just a, a more exciting way to lose, I guess. So just made me whatever. Think, just made me think about when the Redskins really did a number on you, Broncos. You mean you mean the Commanders, the Washington football team? I refuse to call them the Commanders. <laughs> anyway, let's get into some trends, things we've uh, kind of seen out there. You sent me a picture, the new Wilson cavity back iron. We saw some pics. What are what's uh what's your take on that? Um, I think they look good at first glance. These new Wilson CB irons, right? Um, that tends to be this the category that I think they do really well in or have in the past, right? Uh, they make a good forged iron. Uh, it's kind of what they're traditionally known for back in the day. And they still still do a good job in that area. Um, I still play some old Wilson forged irons uh, mm. between those and Strixons back and forth. But okay. um, I was going to say, I thought you were a big, uh, big Strixon guy now. Yeah, you know, I've got two bags, and if I forget which one is where... And I happened to go run out and go, eh. I also got caught with a full infomercial bag one time thinking I grabbed one bag. <laughs> so you gotta, gotta be careful on what bag you grab. Um, but yeah, I think they looked great. Uh, do I think it's going to move the needle? No. I mean, at the end of the day, Wilson has continued to be Wilson for the most part. There's not a lot of changes going on there that would drastically change market share or anything in my opinion, but they do make a good-looking one, and this one was no different. That was my follow-up question is, you know, we've seen Wilson come out with some really good – I mean, they won Fairwood testing this year, which is a huge uh, feather in their cap. Historically, they put out some good putters at times, right? 
the ball has done well. Is this a space, call it the the better players iron category, kind of that, you know, forge players cavity back iron space. Is that a place, do you think, where they can gain meaningful traction compared to your Strixons, Mizunos, Titleist, Taylor? I mean, we've seen other companies kind of take advancement in that area too. Is this, can this make any noise beyond the walls of Wilson corporate, I guess? It's kind of an oxymoron, right? Um, what gets the average consumer's attention is what players play on tour. But these type of irons typically have a lower market share in regards to the overall sales of a company. So right. will it move the needle for them? I don't think so. They've made a good iron in this category for a very long time. It hasn't changed anything. If they're going to really make a move, you would be able to feel that and sense that. It's status quo from what I see um, about this new iron or that new ball. I mean, other than Manolo on Instagram, I don't see any real changes. That's it? Yeah. That's it? Yeah. <laughs> but do they make pretty good equipment? Like I said, they won the Fairway Wood uh, category. Um, mm-hmm. But it's up and down with them. They do really well in some and you know near the bottom in others. So I would like to see more consistency for sure. Yeah. Well, speaking of improvement, we were talking about this. Like, man. I don't know if there's, you know, for, for people to say, you know, golf balls aren't different. There's not enough difference. I don't know. This. We, we've discussed those myths and rumors kind of at uh, ad nauseum. But the other thing that people need to remember, it's not the same golf ball every year. Yeah, there are iterations. And there are some companies, again, I'll point out Titleist. From year to year to year, they tweak the formula a little bit. But every once in a while, we'll see like a massive change where even though it's the same name, the different, you know, a newer version of the golf ball performs wildly different. And we saw that this year with which company, which what we were talking about this, which one kind of jumped up for you? Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, the most improved golf ball definitively is the Mizuno RB Torx. Uh, that was a not, that was not a very good golf ball. The first time we tested that ball this year, it was second longest, I think in overall for length. It performed pretty good in ball lab. Uh, people that I know that have taken it out on the course have enjoyed it. Uh, so I, I can't think of another ball that has made that big of a leap. It would be like, you know, it's like Colorado. You know, it's like prime time going from out of nowhere to being in the top 25. Speaking uh, my language. Yeah, so you rarely see that because it's very um, evolutionary, not revolutionary, like I like to say a lot of times. It's kind of like a, you know, a Mercedes or a Toyota. You don't see these drastic changes because they've built a fan base of what people mm-hmm. come to, to like. Mizuno, though, had a good opportunity. No one liked their golf ball, so they actually needed to scrap it. And from what I heard, and you might know more about this, they kind of moved the development on the ball from Japan to allowing Bingo. the U.S. to take control of that. And, mm-hmm. you know, who knows if that's, the, the main thing, but the timelines kind of match up uh, and a great ball. I mean, I haven't heard a single person that's played that ball that didn't like it. And I haven't, I didn't hear a single person that played that ball previously that actually liked it. So that's a big change. Yeah. And I, you're exactly right. I think you can't ignore the fact kind of reminds me of Hanma a little bit where when they finally got a driver that performed really well, uh, it was because they were able to combine some of the materials and kind of really tech forward design elements on, you know, that were really indicative of kind of the North American market, but still tried to retain some of the look and aesthetics of what kind of the Japanese design uh, and kind of templates kind of looked like. And so they basically point was they were able to kind of mix and match to get something that performed overall better. I think you've seen a similar situation here where the previous version of the Mizuno ball was really all Japanese development. Well, just think about this for a second. When you think Mizuno, I don't think if you ask 100 people if they knew anything about a Mizuno golf ball, they would say yes, right? They have negative market share almost in the golf ball (laughs) session, right? Right. This is an opportunity for them because the golf ball is a big deal and uh, everybody has to play with a golf ball in every shot. Last time I checked, Mm -hmm. And Mizuno was never in that conversation before, and now they are starting to maybe be in that conversation, which is big. 
Yeah, and I think like, just shifting it to maybe just being more in tune with what the American demographic. And again, I'm not saying that if you're going to design a golf product, it's all about you know what Americans want. That's not it at all. It's the fact that it's a large golf golf market, well, right? If that not, golf market it's not a large were, one, it's the largest. And if the largest. If you're right. ignoring it, you're a fool. <laughs> yeah. So what they're doing is saying, "Hey, here is the largest golf market in the world. What are the types of products and things and?" features and performance characteristics that that group wants, how can we move more towards what that looks like? And I think that's exactly what Mizuno did this time and exactly why we saw it perform quite a bit better. Yeah, kudos to Mizuno. I mean, so I love these stories. We rarely see new names pop up, especially ones that have been around as long as they have into right. a category that's been around. And it's great to see another option for golfers. A breath of fresh air, so to speak. For sure. So we were messing around with this a little bit, kind of playing some what if games. Like I was like that, hey, you know, who would play you if there was a movie, uh, you know, about your life or what would happen if, uh, you know, you had a field, uh, an all-star football team, but everybody's first name had to start with B or something. I don't know. Like you play these kind of what if scenarios where it's fun to say, hey, what if you could get the full benefit from different pieces of equipment. And what I mean by that is like, what if I could take the most forgiving iron and pair it with the longest golf ball or something like that? So we kind of started going down that path and you came up with an interesting idea of? I didn't actually come up with it. This came from a reader. Who did? Uh, one of our readers sent me an email and he was like, hey, I love what you guys do, um, but I have an interesting concept. Um, and it makes total sense. He goes, can you start pairing things together so instead of just okay. coming out with the longest driver or most accurate putter or whatever why can't we start combining these if, if a golfer only cares about distance how about we start pairing pieces of equipment together which totally makes sense you know driver is just one club so how do we put together different items for different types of people um so he said why don't you come up with your first one of longest driver and longest ball combo which i thought was a great idea all right, so let's start with that one. Then let's spitball a couple other ideas that we can maybe dig into. So if we took our longest driver tested, which was the... Cobra Aerojet LS. Cobra Aerojet LS. Interesting side note. I'll tell you in a second. Uh, in our longest golf ball tested, which was... The title is Left Ash. Left Ash. What am I going to get? So if I get a... <laughs> this this could get, get out of hand. Yeah. Um... <laughs> You know, on average, I'd have to pull the numbers and we can do that. Uh, but let's say the way I would like to look at it is on averages. Okay. So how much longer on average was the Cobra Aerojet LS? Let's say it's 7.7 .7 yards longer than the median, right? And okay. then the left dash was 8.1 yards longer than the median. Right. In general, depending on what ball and driver you currently play, because that would also be depending on that, here's mm -hmm. how much yardage you can expect to gain. And you can start to see how this will compound and actually start to help golfers. Yeah. It, and again, it's kind of a fun thought experiment and stuff too, where it's like, if that's your goal, right? If length is saying, Hey, I want the longest plus the longest plus the longest. I want to look at that. I was thinking of another one, like, uh, because we started doing this test, you know, not that long ago, looking at the importance of moisture and, you know, wet wedge performance. And now we've tested these in, in kind of both scenarios where we've now tested the wedges themselves, right? So you take take a, a, a ping, right? Take a ping wedge. They retain uh, ball, you know, they retain spin and launch characteristics 100%. exceptionally well. But now we also tested golf balls, right? This year we did the wet wedge test. And could I take... Hmm the wedge that retains the most amount of spin and pair it with a golf ball that also retains the most spin and say, Hey, what is my most, you know, spin retention, well, uh, ball great, wedge combination? Great question, which gets me, I'm going to get a little on topic, but off topic, which I is love a, that. Love that. This is a pet peeve of mine. Okay. So been around golf for a long time and every golfer's like, Oh man, they love when they hit the green and it spins back off. And I, I look at them, I go, dude, that's not what you want, okay? What you actually want, if you want to hit it 117 yards, you don't want it to go 117 and spin back to 109. 
because now, you know, you, did, you got a long putt, right? You actually want it to hit and stop at that 117 number, okay? So the key to that is not how much you can spin it back. It's how much you can retain spin to get the distance you want, okay? So what we've learned, which is really cool, is some wedges don't retain spin very well at all, and some mm -hmm. balls don't retain spin very well when they get wet. So you want the wedge and the ball that retain spin the most so that if you want it to go 117, you will get 117 more often than you will 109 or 123 or 165 or whatever. So that's really what you're looking for, spin retention, right, for ball and wedge. Yeah, and I'd be interested, you know, interested to know, like, I'd love to hear people comment too, like, what are other optimal categories or kind of combinations you can kind of start to put together? The Like I said, the wedge one got me thinking. I'm like, hmm, okay. So you take a ping wedge with that and go, all right, if that is your ultimate, if that's what you're looking for is consistency of spin retention, launch, performance, you play a lot of varied conditions like that, you should probably go with a ping wedge and some and you know a specific golf ball right a particular golf ball okay. right yeah are there any others that kind of jump well, jump to mind for you in terms of kind of these ultimate combo uh scenario i mean i guess you could always say hey what is the absolute shortest driver ball combination i i hate hitting the golf ball anywhere i'm gonna roll back the golf ball before they get a chance to roll it back on me i'm gonna beat them to their punch yeah you could do that kind of stuff but what else what else kind of jumps to mind for you? The first thing that comes to mind is what is the largest subset of golfers trying to solve? And for them, I would say that's a slice. Okay. So mm -hmm. the average golfer, not my golf spy reader, let's say maybe, you know, yeah. due to the sport might shoot, you know, might not even have a handicap. And the biggest problem might be the slice, which is pretty common. There yeah. are, there are drivers that help solve that. There are balls that help solve that. There are mm -hmm. quick tips that help solve that. So you could package three to four pieces of equipment together plus a couple devices that we've tested that also help reduce that. Um, man, if the Harrison shot maker was still around, I'd be... Oh, remember that thing? Oh, my God, that's amazing. But, um, yeah, so the Ping SFT. Yeah. I was just going to say, that's my driver. That's the one that pops up, I think. I don't have the test in front of me, but, like, 17 if yards. you fight a slice... Ping SFT yeah. all day, every day. It's a no-brainer. And then yep. there are balls that also help that. So that would be one. Uh, accuracy, you know, for me, I can still hit the ball a good ways, but I struggle with accuracy off the tee more than I uh, should. And there are drivers that tighten that dispersion, right? Uh, there are mm -hmm. balls that tighten that dispersion. Um, mm -hmm. You don't want the ones with the uh, off-center cores that are bowling ball <laughs> curve balls, you know? So, we don't want, we don't like those, no. Yeah, so what are the biggest problems golfers are trying to solve? And then what are the products that help solve them in combination as quote unquote kits, right? Put together uh -huh. a kit. I think the other the other one that popped to mind for me is this goes back to the discussion we had with TaylorMade, actually, when they were kind of coming up with the stealth uh HD irons and what they were coming, you know, is for most golfers in the higher handicap category, what makes a shot successful? And it was two things. One the ball got up in the air so you could see it fly and it didn't go right of target. You already mentioned that with the slight, I'm talking about a right-handed golfer here. So the ball got up in the air and it didn't slice. So, and I see this all the time, like with my dad, who's doesn't have a handicap, but you know, likes to get out and, and, and play. He struggles to hit his irons high enough to get any sort of carry. Like I always like say, he has like eight clubs in his bag that go 150 yards. Six iron, seven iron, nine iron, yes. you know, driver, three wood. They all go, they all go 150 yards. So what if you're the person that needs launch and spin? Well, that's a, you know, we tend to forget that, right? Because we're talking more 401 than 101 a lot. But right. 101, people struggle with slice and they struggle to get the ball airborne. And you mm -hmm. see it on every golf course around the country. Mm -hmm. And, you know, ping has always done really well for me in that category. Like, like helping people. A lot of their irons that have a little bit more, you know, CG really low. Their fairway woods or hybrids tend to, in the HLs from TaylorMade, that's a big problem solver for a large subset of golfers. Yeah, I think we should, I mean, some of these kits could be kind of a fun thing to to mess around with. But yeah, if people have other ideas, I think, 
shout them out. Let us know. It's a it's just kind of a cool way to cool way to think about kind of optimizing something for people. And and, and we get to our ball test too. Again, we're talking a lot of golf ball stuff today. Um, you know, differences versus distinctions. And and what I mean by that is, you know, we'll get questions from people to say, hey. What's the difference between a matte golf ball and not? You know, like why do they have these matte colored ones? And we've, you know, matte golf balls in general are are terrible in terms of performance. There really isn't a, a good reason to go that route. But one question we got a lot in the premium category was yellow versus what? Bingo. We see yellow is the most common alternative color in the call it again premium tour urethane space people that are looking for total performance of a golf ball tends to be if there is an additional color option it's yellow it can be easier to see there's a lot of reasons to do it we had kind of heard people kind of insinuated hey i don't know if they always perform the same for me so we tested it why did we test it i guess let's start with that why why look at this when it's like hey it's just a different color golf ball well, if you think about it, right, the white golf ball was it forever, and now it's not. There is so many options in almost every manufacturer coming out with some variation, whether it be yellow, matte. You see, you know, everything. You see every color, including fluorescence, in companies, uh, you know, repertoire for what they are offering, and I, I think it's awesome, right? So one, we're doing it the test because. Golfers are buying the product. So if golfers buy something, we want to test it to see if it's worth it for them. And also, no one else is going to do this type of test, I don't think. So it's a curiosity thing that we've always had at My Golf Spy. Don't just trust what anyone tells you. Test it and see what actually happens. So if you think about how a golf ball is made, every part of that ball is really important to how it flies. Um mm-hmm. From the dimples to the colors to the mantle to the core to what goes in between those, uh, the adhesives and all those things, right? So long story short, we tested it because we didn't know the answer to if it was different. Yeah. All the different parts. All the different parts. You got the core. That's a curve. You got mantles. You can kind of see some of that stuff in there. But yeah, every everything that's in there has some type of impact on uh, on performance. Yeah, it's like a cake, right? Um, They all... It's different ingredients and they all matter. And if you don't have them all right, the cake doesn't come out correct. And trust me, I know I've eaten a lot of cake. Yes, you have. So color is the icing, right? It's it is an important part. And um, we wanted to test. We didn't know the answer, so we wanted to find out. And I don't know this for a fact, but I'm pretty confident that we tested the Titleist Pro V1 white and Titleist Pro V1 yellow. Correct. Knowing what we know about golf balls, I think theirs is going to be the closest in performance. I think other companies, different colors, will probably see even bigger difference because mm-hmm. I think Titleist knew that there was going to be a difference and they worked a long time to make it as close as possible. So we tested this at high swing speeds, okay? Mm-hmm. We saw three yards difference, and this is statistically significant. Um, Tony ran it through to make sure three yards difference in total, uh, four in carry, a hundred in spin, but only 0.1 in ball speed, which tells you that this, this is affecting, you know, it could be, um, at launch, it could be in flight. You don't know, but at the end of the day, sure. Uh, it's three yards difference total and 100 spins. So it's not a big difference. No. But when it comes to different colors and matte, massive difference. Yeah, I think to me what was interesting, and, and like I said, again, you have to understand there are a thousand different shots, right, that golfers hit with a golf ball. Everything from driver, different swing speeds, different types of iron shot, stock iron shot, knock it down, in the wind, downwind, different lies, blah, 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 wedge game putting so on and so forth and right when we're trying to quantify performance of a golf ball we have to segment it out by those shots to look at those specific instances so that you can then kind of put those pieces back together to kind of understand total performance but what kind of jumped out to me about the white versus yellow is one 
how close it was. Like I said, even at the highest swing speeds we tested. So 115 miles an hour off the driver, which again is tour level, you know, uh, swing speed and ball speed, right? This is the fastest players that you know that are out there. This is kind of where they're at. And the ball speed difference was one-tenth of one mile an hour. Yeah, and think about it, right? Speed amplifies any issue. So mm-hmm. this is the extreme of what you would see. Mm-hmm. When you're hitting a 15-yard chip, a 100-yard wedge, I don't think you're going to see much difference, if any, at all. Um, no. But, you know, we wanted to see. We didn't know, and there is a little bit of difference. And like I said, mm-hmm. I think other manufacturers, if we test it, I don't want to speak for all of them, but I don't know if they put that amount of time into making sure those two things perform the same. Yeah, that's that. That was the other thing that kind of piqued my curiosity. Is you know, particularly mid swing speed, high swing swing speed. Yeah, we saw some differences right in the driver that were that were noticeable in the grand scheme of things. If you're an optimal fit for Pro V1 and and, and you play the white ball, I don't think you're going to be not optimally fit if you play the yellow one. I, I I just don't think the data. Yes, there are differences. I don't think they're remarkably different. But what it does make me wonder is okay. What would happen if we started to test across the spectrum, right? And looked at other companies when they have different colored golf balls. Are we going to see performance that that's that similar, or is uh, or is Titleist kind of an anomaly in that space? One, I wouldn't worry about it if you're you know we've seen a lot of tests in here that are much more alarming that need to be brought to the attention of consumers. Right now, with at least the Titleist one, it's not something I would not play a yellow ball because of. But secondly, we just don't know about the other manufacturers yet. Um, yeah. And we're going to have to test to find out. Yeah, we also had a post come up last week, and people are kind of asking us again. In general, hey, if this is kind of my bottom line, what do you recommend? What would you suggest? And we had a post, and, and we kind of put this up. It got a lot of traction, so I wanted to run through that again. Because I thought it was super interesting, and these are questions that we get. But someone says, hey, you know what? I'm going to go through 100,000 golf balls this year. I just continually pump them into the woods. Like, I basically treat them like a disposable razor, right? Like, I just know, and I don't want to spend a lot of money. So we call that the ultimate value purchase. What golf ball are we buying if it's the ultimate value? You know, I was at a, I do a 4th of July thing every year, and there was a kid that came up that was a My Golf My Reader. And he asked me, he was like, you know, we always think that everybody reads everything we put out there, and they, they are aware of it, but they don't know. And he's like, sure. hey, you guys know a lot about golf balls. I'm a college kid. I don't have money, okay? Like, and that's just... Ramen. That's just, you know, reality, okay? We've all been there. I will, <laughs> he's like, I will never buy yeah. Titleist. I will never pay more than $30 a dozen ever right now. I don't have the money. And... So if, if value is your only objective with a little bit of performance where it's not a total piece of junk, the no-brainer there is the Kirkland, okay? There's seventeen fifty a dozen, which, I mean, what's you can't go out to lunch for $17. Anymore. I can't. I can't go through Chick-fil-A for 17 bucks. Yeah, so nope. if value is your number one priority, the Kirkland, there is not a better bang for the buck. No. Nope. You're going to – and, I mean, how do you really put a value on being able to buy golf balls and five gallons of mayonnaise at the same time? You don't. and You don't put a price tag on that. No. And you get some free, no. free chicken nuggies at the, uh, <laughs> in the aisle eight. I've, I've eaten a full meal just going through the samples there, man. Like, And if they switch every, like, 25, 30 minutes – you get a different person that doesn't recognize you. Yeah, we, you can just you can just go lapse. We need to have an eating contest on No Plus Giving. <laughs> All right. What if I want the best of every world? Meaning I'm willing to pay a little bit more, but I don't want to pay top dollar. I'm willing to, you know, maybe make very small concessions on some performance things that maybe a lot of people might argue they wouldn't notice anyways or whatever the case is so if i gotta take something that isn't the absolute five star you know top rated ball okay i'll settle for four and a half stars or whatever but i don't want to give up that much and i'm willing to pay a little bit more what do you got yes yeah, so how i look at this is value is kirkland 
value plus performance. If your priorities are you want performance, but you also still can't afford $50 dozen balls, the almost as much of a no-brainer choice are the MaxFly Tour Series balls, which are $39 a dozen, or the Vice Pro Plus, which would be my alternative. Uh, those are two really good options and alternatives for that middle area. Yep. The other one that I'd say about the MaxFly Tour is that's the rack rate. You know, it's kind of like uh, you probably got stores you go to or something's always on sale. And so it's like, that's the price. But man, more often than not, you can get them, you know, two for 70. So they're 35 or there's always some kind of coupon going on. It's pretty rare. So you can even get them for, you know, a couple bucks under that $40 a dozen, which like I said, uh, I love it. And then no holds barred. Price doesn't matter. I just want the absolute best i'm you know i get it people waste a lot of money on a lot of things and people say hey yeah you're gonna spend thirty dollars on a dozen golf balls but you have no problem spending you know x amount on a b or c okay i get it but of all the places across my game i'm not gonna skimp on com comfortable underwear and i'm not gonna skimp on my golf balls yeah i mean We've tested golf balls for a long time, both for performance and quality control. I mean, Tony and I were talking about it one day when we first started doing ball lab results, and the top seven out of ten balls were Titleist balls for quality control. And we went, have we ever seen anything like this in any category we've ever tested? We both looked around and were like, no, like this is the biggest outlier of any category we've tested. Now, I think people are starting to gain maybe a little bit market share, and they're getting better at making balls. Callaway is. Uh, Mizuno mm -hmm. even is. Um, mm -hmm. There's some Definitely. really good golf balls out there. But I, it would be the Titles Pro B1 series. For if, if performance is your main priority, that's it. Uh, we actually went on a tour one time of all the different ball plants, really. But this one in particular was Titles. And the guy came out and he goes, I can't believe they don't charge a hundred dollars a dozen for these things because when you see how much goes into making these golf balls, I mean, it's pretty amazing. Um, and they perform well year after year and the quality control is high. So it's kind of a no brainer too. Yep. Ah, I get it. No argument there. You're a lot faster than I am. I know if we had a 40 yard dash, you, you would win. So that's why I got you for speed golf today. Oh, I guarantee you'd be sub, you'd be about, probably about 48, 40 right now, I would guess. And not with these torn hammers. <laughs> I, I think you'd still, you'd still beat me. Uh, unless there was a Chick-fil-A at the end of the line or something, then I'm going to beat anybody. But here we go. Speed golf, five categories, five topics, five things, super quick. Hey, we want you sub 70. We got testers wanted out there for some putters. If you guys know who Sub-70 is, you know, one, they make pretty good stuff. Some some of it's exceptional. Yeah, They're going to take care of their consumer. Mm -hmm. They will treat you with white glove service from start to finish. Jason and the team, they do a phenomenal job uh, with that, and it's part of the reason people love them. And we got an opportunity for you to test one of their putters. No charge to you. We just need your feedback. Okay. Thank you. Man, Appreciate that. that was, All right. That was, was there a question there? No, okay. that was just a statement. Cool. That was just a statement. All right, glove versus no glove when you're putting. What do you think? Can I wear a glove when I putt? Jack Nicholas did. Okay. So hard. No, I didn't ask about Jack Nicholas. I said. <laughs> well, I do just because I don't feel like taking it off, putting it back on, taking it off, putting it back on. So I putt with a glove. I have been mocked for it and made fun of, but that's okay. Uh -huh. um, so I, I just go back to if Jack putted with a glove. I, here's what I'd say. I think it's interesting because so many people just go, oh, you putt with a, without, you know, with a glove on. It's become like this traditional thing. There's never been any study to show that if there's any better data to putt without a glove oh, with a glove. Sounds like a test. We did do that with drivers, and you should definitely be wearing a glove. Yes. But don't yes. tell me not to wear a glove on the putting green if there's no data to back it up. Fair enough. Can I make fun of you, though, if you wear a glove? Are Always. you okay with that? Always. You Perfect. make fun of me all the time, so it's good. All right. I love it. Then we're good. Personal launch monitor results coming out here in not too long. This category has been blowing up over the last three, four, five years. Everybody wanting to have a simulator at their house or different things. And just the expansion of tech, it's gotten better. It's gotten cheaper. 
Any teasers? Anything you want to throw out there to pique my interest on this one? Well, one, I just love that the category is growing because, one, everybody wants a man cave like this to be able to play golf year-round, and it's getting to be where it's pretty affordable. It wasn't five years ago. So I love all the different options. There are some amazing ones. I was uh, watching the testing, and I'm not going to say who won because I actually don't know, but I was definitively impressed with the new Rapsodo unit. Uh, indoor, outdoor. MLM2 Pro, I believe, is the product. We'll see where it finishes. Rapsodo, uh, something they, people don't know about Rapsodo. Maybe they don't know this. They got their start in baseball. You know, this isn't a golf company. That, I mean, every major league baseball team uses Rapsodo technology and products. And, um, you know, well, don't even, that's really where they kind of cut their. Some of the launch monitor companies also use their technology, right? Yeah. Yeah, they do. They do. So won't be surprised if it places uh, up there um, at all. Ryder Cup's coming up. Who you got, man? The U.S. has been like on a three-decade losing streak playing across the pond. They tend, meaning they, European team, tends to set it up, rewarding more accuracy off the tee. We saw that in France before, tight fairways, big rough, not necessarily strengths of the U.S. team. Do we have a chance? Does the U.S. have a chance? I mean, I'm always going to root for the country I live in, okay? But all in all, I just want to see good golf and competitive. I want it to be close. I want there to be some good matches. It's no different than I'm a Redskins fan, like I said, but when Tom Brady Brady was quarterback, I like to watch good football. I just like to watch people that are great at the game. So, um I don't know. I'm just hoping for a lot less BS about live and PJ and let's just talk golf. Let's, let's get out there and let's get it. You know, I'm fine with a good close Ryder cup as long as the U S wins. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. That's see if they can break, uh, break the curse. I love seeing it. I love the passion. I love the energy. I look forward to the Ryder cup probably as much as I do watching any golf event yeah. throughout the year. I, I hope you see, yeah, they said some really good golf, some passion, some energy, and uh, hopefully there's plenty of trash talking. Yeah, I just hope the media takes a break from the SEO value, search engine optimization value of live, and doesn't go all in for the clicks and just goes all in for the golf. How about that? I love it. Last one. Had a post, a little bit controversial. What do you think about this? Caddies should not be able to help players read greens. Okay. Oh, man. Yes or no? We should have had a whole show on this. I know. This we be... can come back to it. We may mention it in the after show. We may get there, but yes or no? It's yes and no. Let's do it in the after show because ah. I'm telling you, man, there's a big debate. I thought Tony wasn't on the Let show. Let me ask you. All right. I thought Tony wasn't on the show. All right. I'll say, I'll say no. <laughs> okay. All right, you're saying caddies should be able to help. No, should not. Or you're saying they should not. Caddies should not be able to help golfers read greens. That's what I'm talking about. I agree. I love that. We're going to go into why in the after show. They don't help me dunk. If you're intrigued. They don't help me dunk. If you're intrigued. I don't get somebody to, like, lift me up to dunk, do I? I I mean, you would need somebody if you actually wanted to dunk. But, but, you know, we – I mean, I need, like, like, scaffolding. But if you're interested to figure out more about this why, stick around. In the after show, I'm going to go grab a sandwich. We'll be right back. All right. Woo! We're Woo. back. We're back. That was a good roast beef sandwich. <laughs> I like uh, – you would love this place, Adam. This place uh, right by my house is called Chiba Hut. Okay. Chiba Hut. And the entire thing is what they call toasted subs. Um, big uh, cannabis population in Colorado. Everything is themed or named based on – different elements of, uh, of cannabis culture. Um, Cheech and, and I will tell you what, man, the sandwiches they got there are unbelievable. I got this one that I call it, they call it the KGB, but basically it's like a roast beef club with horseradish. Mm. Oh, love horseradish. Mm. It is amazing. I've got some good food out there. Yeah, we do. It's good stuff. But anyway, after show, we're going to dive a little deeper, get on our scuba <laughs> gear. Uh, talk about a couple things here. We're, let's finish, we're going to finish this situation about these caddies because it, it's an interesting debate for sure. And then maybe give people a little bit of a teaser of 
what's next in the My Golf Spy world? What are what are we up to? Are we just hanging out? You know, are we uh, are we actually growing? Are we advancing? Are we thinking about doing different things next year? What can people kind of uh, kind of expect from us? But let's solve this first. Caddies, you said no when I pressed you on it. I want to explore that because I agree. So here's but my... I may play devil's advocate just just to get <clears throat> yeah. you riled up a little bit. But talk to me. Why you say, hey, no, no, well, you don't get to read the green. I think there's going to a lot of be a lot of people that don't think before they go. Oh, you're that's ridiculous. That's crazy. But if you step back and just think about it, right? I'll give you a couple things that can't come to mind when I think about this. One, a lot of municipal courses don't have very good yardage markers, which then I do think that caddies or range finders should be allowed, right? Because you're not going to walk up and go, all right, 180 and then walk 80 yards back to know you're 260 out, right? Right. So when we're talking caddies, I had a friend that was playing this course called Kinlock one day in Richmond and good golfer. Nice course. Yeah. Nice course. Don't get me wrong. Good golfer, but they have caddies, right? And the first putt, he's lined up about, you know, he's got a 40-footer. Okay? He's lined up about eight feet to the left of where he's supposed to be. And the caddy's like, trust me, put it here. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like, the line's out there. I see it. He's like, trust me, put it here. Knocks down the putt. After nine holes, the caddy, he's on course. He's on uh, – he probably is going to break the course record. Okay, so they are all going crazy for this. He hasn't made a single putt on his own. Okay, all of these have been because of the cat. So when you think about not just reading greens, but the help that a caddy gives, I agree that they should be able to carry a bag to help the person maybe. But once it goes past that and they're telling you what to hit and where to hit it, is that the definition of who is the best golfer that day or who is the best caddy plus golfer. So I don't know the pureness of it. I think if we step back and looked at it, we would say, I want to know who the best golfer is between the ears and with the club. Right. And between the ears is how to read the putt, the, the emotionality of how to deal with a bad shot and not have somebody be your, you know, you know, laying on a couch and helping you through a session. Um, so I think there's a good argument to be made that you gotta, you gotta be it from top to bottom on your own. All right. Let me ask you this then. Let me ask you this then. Since we like analogies, should other teams not have coaches that tell them like what plays to run? So here's the difference, I think. So with teams, it's a team sport. There's 11 people on a football team that are all moving, right? So much more, it's chess, right? Um, there's so many moving parts at the same time. Whereas golf is an individual sport in my head. So I see it as I want to know who the best individual is. When it comes to team, I want to know who the best team is. You do need to help me out. I have a bad play. I drop the ball. You pick me up and be like, hey, man, it's all right. It's all good. You're going to get them on the next play. That helps me as a team environment. But as okay. an individual sport, I see it as I want to know who's the best between the ears and with the, with the club in their head. I mean, it would – introduce something well you're okay with them carrying the bag right you said hey carry the bag do that know. stuff you're basically i mean you're basically there let's because say- then does it does it take out the physicality like can you imagine if i mean this is part of what's fun about uh like a i follow a lot of our, our local teams and work with uh some of the guys on uh, local college teams and that's part of the fun is it's just them i mean when they go out and play a tournament it's just them, right? And and you kind of see that and and whatever the case is, and you go, okay, what if you had to carry your own bag? Now you could let's say you could use a push cart or whatever the case is, but what if pros had to carry their own bags? I mean, if if I'm going for what I was just defining, I would have to agree with you because that tells you not only who's in the best shape, but who manages that during the day the best. So we've all been out there on a hot day where you're, you know, carrying a heavy bag and by hole 12 after the turn, you get a hot glizzy and some, uh, Sprite, uh, <laughs> that wears off after three more holes. Your gas tank is empty, man. So mm-hmm. how to mm-hmm. manage all of those things, 
I don't know. I think it would be interesting. I think it would be one of those things, you know how they have the tournaments where Phil Mickelson goes gets Yeah. It would be cool if they did a tournament where no caddies. I want to see what happens. Who do you think – who would you – anybody jump to mind right away as players that may do better? Like, yeah. you know, if, 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 you took, if you took caddies away, they, they had to do it on their own, that that might end up being a good thing for them. And, and conversely, are there a couple of players where you go, ooh, I think they could, they could really struggle. I mean, mental toughness is a thing, right? You play any sport. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, my son plays cross country, and you can see it. Like, when you don't think you can go anymore, there are certain kids that know they're, that they can push past that limit. Uh, Tiger obviously is injured and has so many things going on, but mental toughness, like in golf, you go watch a sport, go watch golf at a tournament that Tiger Woods is playing in. The dude has an energy and an aura that extends about a thousand feet away from his body. That is mental freaking toughness that you can sense, you can feel it. Right. And when I stand Mm -hmm. beside any of those other guys on tour, like Rory, I was just like, nothing, you know? Um, no. And the shape he was in. I mean, that dude trained like he, from a physicality standpoint. Yeah, so I don't know about the guys that might crumble like a cheap tent, but I can tell you that there's people that are more mentally tough than others. And I think if you had to, you know, have no caddy, walk your own bag, mental toughness would be an asset to have in that situation. I could see Bryson absolutely just imploding. Trying. Like, it could get weird. I could see that. Yeah. I could, I think I think guys that would do. I think there's a number of guys that do really really well because they probably are largely in that place. Mm-hmm. They they don't rely on their caddies for a whole lot other than to carry the bag. Hey, get yardages, check that stuff, remind them of things. They've kind of worked into that. It's not that they can't do that on their own or wouldn't do that on their own, but they're you know they're in that place already. They don't necessarily need somebody to walk them through well, every piece of that. Not only that, but some people thrive off of that situation um, and want that. And golf has never really kind of given that golf yeah. golfing the opportunity to see what how that plays out. Yeah. I think it would be awesome if they did a tournament where there was no caddies, man. I would love to see it. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. PJ Tour, we got ideas coming for you. Give me a couple teasers. 2024, we're... We're building a new facility. I want to ask you about that because I'm not there on site. Love to know how that's going. We're wrapping up our most wanted testing for this year, so all of our big tests. But we got a couple other lab things kind of coming out. And um, what can people expect from us moving forward? Uh, well, what do you want? What do you want the people of the world to know? I mean, one of the things that's always driven me is just the curiosity of all of it. Um, a lot of these quote-unquote labs that you see were just like, hey, why don't we test this? Why don't we test that? No one's ever – so many golfers make decisions based on somebody at the range that said, oh, you should do this or try that. And I was always thinking, well, why would you do that when that guy just shot 120? Like, <laughs> maybe I should test it to see if it actually works, you know? Right. And um, right. so the curiosity of some of these things like line versus no line, yellow versus white ball wet wedge all of these are just curiosities and we haven't had a lot of time to do those over the last couple years so by going to the new facility theoretically we should be able to cut testing down in half the amount of time and we should be able to do a lot more lab ideas we've got a board of i think about 50 to 60 of them so Mm -hmm. i would like to do more of those and then ultimately just get better at everything we do. Like the ball test this year was better than the previous one. The driver test, better than the previous one. Wedge test, same thing. And, you know, we brought people on, Connor, for soft goods that, you know, the goal there is to, to be better for golfers. That's it. I mean, that's why we're here. Plain and simple. Yeah. I'm here to help golfers. That's why I did this. And at the end of the day, we I try to tell everybody here to remind themselves of that before they write an article or do a test. It's how can we help golfers, period. Yeah, and I think it, to me it kind of comes down to two things. More, you know, take the test things that we currently do and find one way to improve each one. How do you do this test? You know, is there one other thing that we could do with fairway wood test to make it better than this year? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But can we take our wedge test? Can we take our putter? Oh, 
putter testing, I think is going to be a huge opportunity. I don't know if you want to talk about that at all, but um, I think that's a place where we're going to get a lot better uh, in, in just yeah. both in terms of width of accurate, you know, width of data, the depth of the data, the amount of stuff that we're going to be able to do that, that oof, I'm excited about that. That's a great point. And really it makes me think of just the totality of it all. Meaning you have to know what you are good at and what you're not good at. You know, like um, those people that go in the gym, they're real big and their legs look like mine. You got to spend some time <laughs> on the legs. You know what I mean? Um, get a couple squats in there. Yeah. So we are, we've been really good. I think, I think we're the leaders in the industry in regards to the comprehensive nature of how we test coffee. I don't think there's anybody closest, but that being said, I think we could drastically improve how we present that information graphically, um, mm-hmm. data wise. Visualization of it. Yes. Yeah. Because it's very complicated. It's very tough to take that and simplify it without just destroying the actual value of it. So uh, we're really working hard on that too. And that's, you know, and that includes the putter testing. I don't really want to talk about much of it yet because I want to, you know, just show people once we get there, but it should be. It's going to be cool though. It's going to be cool. It should be a lot better. More tests, more labs. uh, But, all the same things that people have come to love, know, and trust about what we do, that bedrock that's going to continue to be the foundation of what we got. But it is going to be bigger, better, more expansive, more in-depth. Um, and it's a lot of information, man. Anything else that you would like to tell the people of the No Putts Given ecosystem? No. I mean, more than anything, I just want to say thank you. Uh, we've been doing this for like a dozen plus years. And... It's just, when you step back and think about it, it's pretty crazy that anybody wants to read what we do, listen to what we say, and um, be a part of what has become, you know, something pretty cool. I feel like uh, I started out this to try to change an industry because I thought there needed to be some improvement in some areas. And there was nothing saying that anyone was going to read or follow this. And they have. And Nope. (laughs) I mean, it's just, I'm just really grateful. And on that note, I think that's perfect. Thank you for watching. Find us on the interwebs. We got the at my golf spy accounts. Find those. Follow them at golf spy C. Find me. Follow me. Ask questions. Anything we can do to help. We are always here for you. Let us know what we can do. Until next time, we out. We out. We out.